Hello, my name is Cora Linda, and welcome to my podcast, Filmmaking, Actually. Uh, this is part two of a two-part series featuring a very special guest, award-winning documentary filmmaker, Ansley Sawyer. Enjoy. So this is what I'm thinking. A lot of the people so far who I found who are listening to this are newer filmmakers, are people who are trying to get into filmmaking, who want to start for the first time. And for a narrative, you know, you have to either have a script or a story or an idea, and then you have to find funding, and then you have to find a cast and a crew, and then you have to do a shoot schedule. Like, there's very exact sequences because you need a certain amount of money. You can take your script, do mm. a breakdown. How many days is it going to be? How many people? How much food? How much hotel? How many accommodations? Da 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 da. But like, mm. for a documentary, I guess if you were to walk through the whole whole process, I think I've got an Ansley Sawyer process that's derived from a Brandon Lee process that's been informed by my life experience and my theories on how to humanize any subject into an interesting and compelling short story. If I had to like give you why I tell stories and how, that, that would be it in a nugget. And I think a lot of people could agree with that motivation, but my processes wouldn't work for them and my workflow wouldn't necessarily be a part of theirs. And so, I think it's really important. I, I was interviewing a little kid last week for a video about a nonprofit that works with little kids and arts and crafts. Oh. Um, and I did not expect this bit of wisdom. It really struck me. Um, I said, it was a question about like creativity. And she said, I, I was like, how, how do you respond to people who say that arts and crafts isn't important? And she said, well, if you're not feeling creative, that means that you haven't made art in a long time. And I was like, oh my God, that's genius. That's so freaking cool because I constantly, as a creative professional, overthink everything. Mm. And I get in my own way constantly about, should I budget for six days? Should I budget for five days? You know, or should I... Should I make this choice? Should I hire a fixer and a driver or should they What's be What's a fixer? Person? Sorry for cutting you off. It's okay. A fixer is a local guide who speaks the language and can introduce you to communities that you're trying to gain access to and or help integrate your just questions about you it's 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 more than being a tourist and they understand that you're there trying to capture a story and they're there trying to help connect you to the story because they're from the story. Right. That's a fixer. Okay. Um, so I constantly, constantly overthink things. And especially since a lot of this is destination based, all I can do is think before I get there. <laughs> and what I would recommend is don't overthink it. Just make art so that you can feel creative. And what that looks like is go out and do a camera test. Um, be, like, let's go back to the ballet dancer in New York example. Like, okay, go and film people doing ballet in rehearsal. Not even the full sequence, not even a scene, not even a story. Just take your camera out as part of your research and your development and say, what camera motion is interesting to me here? I mean, I'm, again, we're, this is the Ansley Sawyer practice, so I'm the director and the producer and the shooter. So this isn't going to translate well to a lot of people, but well, I use think, your analogous minds. Yeah, I think that actually... <laughs> Like, 
the people who I mean I don't know I have no idea who listens to this podcast I only like the the analytics I see I know numbers and like rough geographic locations like in in Canada this many people or this this many listens of telling a story whether you're a painter or a singer sure or a visual artist or a filmmaker it's like play around with the subject matter and figure out why you got into it in the first place and that's going to inform your process because if you figure out that like actually you're supposed to be studying a ballet dancer in Congo and not in New York City then that's massively going to influence your production process and so that's why I keep saying like be story forward especially as you're going from pre-production to post-production because I mean, you you could way overthink everything and be like, okay, we're going to be there for 40 days and I need six cars. And it's like, yeah, at that point, you're not focusing on the story anymore. I have a very specific process, I think. And when I say specific, it's like, it's completely dependent on what I find. And a lot of it is like, like daily rewriting the general script that I that I'm laying out for myself as the production goes along. The storyline necessarily needs to change fundamentally from pre-production to post-production. Well, let's talk about that. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Let's talk about that. Okay, so let's take this ballet dancer in New York. So you're Ansley Sawyer. You're a person. You're not a big network. You're just Mm. one person or maybe you're a person and a friend or whatever. So you maybe met a dancer in New York or you've always wanted to be a dancer in New York. Maybe you're curious what it's like. For some reason, this is the story that you want to tell. So if uh, it's just you, you're, you're starting. Like I know, let's say I was going to make a story about a dancer in New York and I was going to make it up. Like I know that to do that, I would need to, okay, why am I making this story? Am I doing it for festivals? Am I going to sell it? Do I want to raise people's awareness about stuff? What, why am I doing this? Um, am I going to fund it? Am I going to get an investor? Am I going to crowdfund? Do I have a script? Am I going to hire a writer? Like there is an exact sequence. I get the script. I do a breakdown. I do a budget. I get it through pre-production. I figure out how much time I'm going to spend on it. I go out. I shoot it. I get it through post. I do the sound design and the edit. I do all this stuff. I submit it to festivals. I send it out for distribution. Like there is a kind of beginning, middle, and end process so if I was sitting here and I was like I want to tell a story about dancers in New York what what would be the kind of like ABC steps like broad stroke like yeah you know this is how you get started this is the first thing you do and some of it could be different like for narrative you I could be uh, someone with money who wants to make a movie and I need to find a filmmaker. I could be a filmmaker who needs to find money. I could be a writer who needs to find a filmmaker. Like there's kind of like these pieces of this triangle. How does mm-hmm. that work for documentaries? And Yeah, no, yeah. that's a good question. So for the sake of answering your question, I'm going to make a couple of assumptions. Uh, the first assumption is that I have power, meaning like I can just come up with an idea and go out and make it, which I think anybody is capable of <laughs> Right. with, you know, cameras on our phones. It's really a question of motivation um, or feeling of preparedness. So that's my first assumption is like I, I can just go out and ideate and manifest something. Um, and the second assumption is that, like, I, you know, I have free time, like I can, which is never true, by the way. <laughs> it's never true. You will never have enough time. You, um, and then the third thing is that I'm 
motivated to get it done now, um, which is a crucial assumption that all creatives should endeavor to undertake like as soon as possible, mm. not in a guilt ridden kind of way. Not in like, oh, it should be done yesterday because that's the kind of thing that never lets you publish or like forgive yourself for being right. far from perfect. So the first thing, like, and that, those are sort of the overarching assumptions. So the first thing is if you're going to tell the story, then this is the most crucial part, just to find your story. Uh, and don't put anything else first because you don't know what you're budgeting for and you don't know what you have to present. Um, and this is challenging. This is a little chicken and eggy because depending upon your subject, you might be waiting um, for things to come through. So you just need to understand and control as many variables as you can. Like the ballet dancer in New York example, that would be researching the community, researching and understanding like when is sun up, when is sun down? Who are the people? What are the common demographics? Um, and depending on the angle that you're interested in taking, like what's the, what's the log line that you think that your film is gonna take? And it's okay that it's gonna change from beginning to end. That's also gonna impact um, your purpose for making the film. So it's okay to make a film and try to make money off of it. A lot of people do it and uh, you are worthy and <laughs> it is not a problem. And that is like a really great reason for wanting to make a documentary or a film. I have a different workflow. I tend to make films that like are really high quality, that attract attention from brand managers or CMOs or other directors or agencies that are like, oh, we have an upcoming project and we want to hire this person because they did this incredible video. So that's kind of like my, that's kind of my way of attracting new business. Um, and that's not for everybody. A lot of people like everything that they want to make, they want to convert it into income. And like, that's cool. Everybody has their own lead generation workflow um, or business development workflow. Let's focus on a story driven one, because I have to say, I totally get it that filmmaking is a business and people want to make money. But it's my opinion. And you can tell me if this is if this you've observed this to be the other way. It's my opinion that if you're going into a documentary with the sole intention of making money, I personally think it tends to lean the filmmakers in a direction of scandal and hot topics and snazzy headlines and reality TV and I may, can. yeah. So I, yeah, I, I can. I would rather have. I would rather talk about maybe a process of a story for the sake of the story because as long as we can acknowledge that they're not mutually exclusive. Because I feel like it took me years to unravel this tangled ball of guilt, which is like as a storyteller or as a documentary filmmaker i don't deserve nice things or like i'm not allowed to try to have this at base level like serve as something that can lead me to bigger and better things like oh mm. as an artist i should only ever actually be barista and like living off of tips like no f that like that's they're not mutually exclusive is all i'm trying to say but yes oh, i agree yes like you should be able to sell your work and you should be paid for your work. I 1000% yeah. stand by that. I just mean like if you had telling a story and making money as like yeah. two items on a list, I would rather talk about maybe the angle of where the story is number one and the money's number two versus where the money's oh. number one and the story's number Me two. Me too. Okay. Me too. Okay. Yeah. So you find your story and you do ultimate service to the story. So whatever that means. So you move to their neighborhood and you budget what's in that neighborhood. Um, or like you, you're like, okay, I need time to build trust with these people. They have busy schedules. They're young people. They're constantly in rehearsal. I don't want to burn out my contact with them. I'm going to make sure that I like I do pre-interviews. I understand their schedule. I 
under, I maintain excitement and passion and I don't make false promises to them. I make sure that I'm really upfront about what I think um, this story is going, what kind of life the film is going to have and how that's going to impact them so that they don't get unrealistic expectations of like, this film is going to make, make me huge, especially if your subject is a 20-year-old ballet dancer. <laughs> um, <laughs> I picked that because it's kind of benign. You know, That's why I was trying. It is, but it's also a, it's a, it's a nice subject. Um, and so, I mean, again, like your process is totally going to depend on, you know, who your subject is. Um, but my recommendation is just to go in deep as fast as possible. Again, with the assumption that like you don't have a two-year-old kid and you can just like go for two weeks and go film and just completely dedicate yourself. Like make your own contingencies, like figure out your own life. But as much as possible, spend as much time filming and building your relationship with your subject um, both in advance of production and also in post-production. I mean, it's, and I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but it's really important to maintain that contact because, and I know that you probably experienced this with narrative, but oh, especially yeah. with documentary, once you leave, you can be silent for a year and people start talking to themselves and they're just like, this person used me, like they're, they're gone. Like we, like what happened to this film? And you can't let those thoughts take hold like at all. Like you need to maintain your contact and send people stills from the film as you're ed- editing. Um, but not to get too ahead of myself. So like, so in pre-production for me, I'm thinking about what's the fewest number of people who can be on my crew because the fewer people in the room, especially editing or filming with these people, the more at ease the quote talent is going to feel. Uh, the more that you can mimic their day-to-day life, the better. And so if you have a bunch of booms and gaffers and, you know, riggers and people standing by with audio equipment, that's going to freak them out. Now, that's my process. Like, I don't like having too many people on my team. I like working on extremely small teams. So I'm going to prioritize more time with fewer people. That's not everybody's process. But that, that's going to change all of my math. So sometimes when I'm, like, looking at my friend's budgets or something... They're like, is this good or bad? And I'm like, you have to be the judge of that. You have to know what are your inefficiencies and and what is the thing that you're going to really stake your claim on, like that you're not going to back down from having a chase vehicle and a follow vehicle. Like that's, you know, like it it totally depends on your process. So, um, all right. So this is what I'm hearing. You're, you have, you have your idea of what you want to tell the story of, and then you have to kind of decide um, how many people you have you that you want to bring with you how many things you want to have with you um where do you like obviously funding for a documentary that would be things like everyone needs to eat you need to like maybe buy lunch for the person that you're interviewing um what do you think about documentaries that pay people to speak as far as being interviewed it depends on the story Mm-hmm. Um, if you're more of a journalistic approach, that's considered unethical because that's, co- that's considered, um, it, there's like a journalistic code of ethics and I don't consider myself to be a journalist. And there have definitely been times where, um, like if you held me to the standards of being a pure journalist or like broadcast standards, like I would have broken rules, like being in a refugee camp and sharing my extra bottle of water with a thirsty kid. Like I'm going to do that. And wait, that's like, against told- journalistic rules. Well, I mean, okay, so yes, so that's considered um, sort of like influencing your subject. And so a good example is I have a friend here in New York 
who works at Now This, and she was following the caravan in Mexico. And she would, like, drive up with her team of, like, five people, like the boomers and, you know, all that. Yeah. And, like... Um, and, and to like, be clear, that's wa- Mike Boomers, not baby boomers. But go on. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we embrace all ages. Um, <laughs> on Cora's podcast. Yes. Um, we, but, no, they would, like, drive up to the, alongside the caravan and get out and walk and interview people as they're walking and then get back in the car and, like, they're driving alongside these people who have been walking for hundreds of miles. And they're eating alongside people who are carrying the food on their backs. And they're not supposed to share. Not because they're cold-hearted and mean, but because they're supposed to have um, that journalistic distance and professionalism that isn't compatible, in my view, with a long-term documentary approach. Now, you still do want to have a professional distance between yourself and the subject, as I've experienced, because things get really personal really fast. And you might say, hey, I don't have a problem with that. I'm trying to build trust here. And it's like, actually, you do. Because questions of money start cropping up, especially when you're dealing with um, instability or you know fragile communities. Um, and especially your status as an outsider of any identity, female, male, white, person of color, aged, you know, younger, like whatever it is, abled or differently abled, like um, that it's all going to come into play. And so you do need a little bit of distance and professionalism, certainly um, not just to convince them that you're going to do justice to their story, but also to maintain their story beyond the immediate awkwardness or intimacy of the relationship that you're generating. Um, because once you're out of production, you can't go back into the interview room and create that, that safe space ever again. That's it. That's, you, you've got it. What are you there to do? Do justice to the story. That's what you're there for. I could never be a documentary filmmaker. <laughs> sometimes that means sharing some food with some kids. And sometimes that means giving somebody a ride. Um, and sometimes that does not mean Western unioning somebody 50 bucks to help out their brother who is being detained and harassed by the cops. It's tricky. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that, uh, obviously, like I said, I know very little about um, journalism. Like I know very little about documentary and I know even less about journalism, but yeah. I I actually didn't know that. And I- um, Neither did I until very recently. <laughs> that, like, I, it makes sense to me, you know, if you have someone and you're like, you know, you're doing an expose on, some big company that's like dumping chemicals in the water and somebody's giving a testimonial and they find out that you paid that person like a thousand dollars. It's like, well, is that person telling the truth or did you buy them off? Right. So right. I get that. And, and you have to be above reproach because people will come out from every direction mm. and say, you weren't forceful enough. You were too forceful. Right. You brought in your feminine identity to this masculine room or like you didn't stand up to those men enough. Um, and, and I've definitely experienced this as a, as a documentary filmmaker. It's not so much about covering your bases as it is all the rest is noise and I need to get my noise-canceling director vision headphones <laughs> and just look at the story because nothing... It's not that nothing else matters because it all informs your approach and it all informs your ultimate like relative success or failure. But that's the other thing to keep in mind is honestly... Dark and dirty secret. Life pro tip of documentary filmmaking. Nobody's <laughs> going to come along and tap you on the shoulder and be like, I can see that you really care for these people and that you really like empathize with them and that you really feel their struggle and that that makes all the difference. It doesn't. It really doesn't. It, did you clearly tell their story or not? Did you 
mess up the ISO in all of your interviews or not? Was your shutter speed correct or not? Like, did, were you there for that crucial moment or did you go home because you were tired? Um, did you budget for the extra week that you ended up needing because something happened or not? <laughs> and, and that's what I'm saying. It's so hard to have a hard and fast, like even between productions that I've done, um, the approach is consistent, but the workflow almost never is. Because sometimes I'll spend two weeks in production. Sometimes I'll spend two years returning to the same subject matter and saying, yeah, there's still something new to taste here. And I, there's still something useful to opening my camera back up again. Um, and it's understanding, like, how does the beginning feel? Do I have a good introduction to who these people are? Can I succinctly sum up the issue that they're facing? And very often the answer is going to be no. And it's very hard at the end of the day when you're exhausted and something went wrong or broke or somebody said no to you when you thought they were going to say yes to say to yourself the, the bitter truth of like, I, I, my work's not done yet. Like that, that, and I thought it was going to be done by now. And I am over budget and past my deadlines because that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, yeah. Especially when you have unpredictable talent or you, you know, you need to, especially when you're in unstable circumstances like a war zone where there's so much that you can't control. Like we got calls at 4 a.m. threatening us not to do an interview with this Burmese general. I mean, when the health and safety of your local talent is being like questioned like okay yeah looks like our film is gonna be a little bit more biased now because we can't interview that dude but i'm not gonna <laughs> right put put my local fixer at, in, in harm's way i mean so so that's kind of I, I i know that this must be a little frustrating but hopefully what your your viewers are hearing is there are no answers there isn't the right camera or the wrong camera or this is the best lens or the worst lens i mean those are headlines that you see on youtube videos to get you to watch the YouTube video. <laughs> go watch the YouTube video. I mean, go do your own research. And, and whenever people used to tell me that, it was really frustrating. But really return to these basics of like, if you're not feeling creative, maybe it's because you haven't done art in a while. Go do a camera study. Go hang out with refugees. Even if they're not the refugees that you want to make a film about, find out something about their experience that you didn't know before. Because that's your role as a creative storyteller is to, to be a vehicle by which uh, you can explore something that ideally hasn't been explored before or give, give, create something that hasn't been made before. Even, even if it's a common theme such as, you know, a ballet dancer in New York or a couple falling in love in Paris. I mean, right. there's still, there's always something new to explore. And that's, that's the best part about documentary because reality is so often so much stranger than fiction or so much more interesting than fiction. And if you try to make fiction reality, it's going to come across as disingenuous. Oh, yeah. There's some fiction author who said that um, the difference between reality and fiction is that people expect fiction to make sense. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I always replay that in my head whenever I'm writing a script or working on a narrative film, 
I always tell myself like, okay, this has to be believable. It has to be something that people are going to accept. It has to be real to them. It has to, it has to make sense. And whenever I'm going through something in life where like, if I were to turn it into a movie, nobody would believe me that that's what actually happened. I have to remind myself <laughs> that it's fiction that people expect to make sense and reality just, it's well, not going to happen. I mean, that's really interesting because then you're starting to speak to sort of the expectation that storytellers have not only of themselves, but also of like, the impact that they hope that their story is going to have on the global audience mm. or whoever they think their audience is going to be. And like, I'd say like, don't sweat it too much because <laughs> I mean, sweat it, sweat it a lot. Like make sure that it's an interesting story. Like do your due diligence, actually work hard to deliver and craft and curate an honest, true to life, authentic story. I mean, really sweat the production. But I guess what I'm saying is like something that I experienced early on in documentary was, ah, but my point of view isn't going to be shared by everybody. Like, is my point of view. um, If you don't have a point of view, that's a problem. Mm. And if you had a point of view and you're watering it down because you're afraid of isolating an audience or on the other side of the spectrum, if you are afraid of being called biased or if, you're, if you have these fears of being called this or that, especially from the creative community, I mean, let that inform your process. Don't be biased. Mm. Um, try to like use those insecurities to actually have a deeper exploration or self-reflection of like, how could this story be expanded? But don't also be afraid of like having something to say because if you don't have anything to say, people are going to pick up on that and it becomes very boring very quickly and it's just kind of like a half-assed approach at telling an Im- what should be a very empowering story, I think. No, I think that makes sense. Um, would you say to maybe temper that with decide what you want to say once you see what's there versus deciding what you want to say before you've even begun to shoot? No, that's a great question. And I think sometimes what you want to say is different from what the film needs to say. Because sometimes what you want to say isn't really, uh, it doesn't really matter. Like for me, it's like, uh, refugees are humans too. And it's like, okay, that is true. And a lot of people could agree with me. But what really matters is that we need to raise so much awareness that it becomes embarrassing for the Burmese military to continue these operations. Like if nobody's talking about it, right. that, that's only helping the perpetrators of these crimes. Right. And so like the ultimate purpose of this film is to get people talking about this issue. Um, and that was extremely specific to like, we don't exist. So mm. that's not the purpose of every documentary film, <laughs> but that was our mission for that particular film. And so that, that informed our point of view, which was this cycle of violence and poverty is bad. It's, it's been going on for 70, 80 years. Here is the history of it now, looking forward to the future. If these people want to have any success whatsoever, the ending of the film was suggesting that refugee youth education is the, is the crux. It's the path out. And like if we are preventing 16-year-olds from dropping out of their um, very difficult to access education opportunities, then they're gonna enter the poverty cycle and it's just gonna take another generation to attempt to develop the leadership to fix their own problems internally because foreign actors haven't been able to figure it out. So to take the ballet dancer example, maybe as a director, I'm like, oh, I love ballet and I want everybody around the world to love ballet. That might be a misguided goal. Right. If your goal instead is to say anybody can do ballet, That's different from you saying, I want everybody to love ballet. Personally, me as a director, me, Ansley Sawyer, like I 
I just I want an excuse to go film ballet dancers. <laughs> but the 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 goal of the film should be more call to actiony. It should be it should be more specific. And by the end of the film, you should develop something that does service to the story. And the sur- the story might be ballet is beautiful, but it should also, especially in the realm of documentary, I believe my opinion speak <laughs> to a greater truth that humanizes the story in a way that hasn't been done before. And you know, you have to go through the process that is extremely specific to the subject that you've chosen. Like I I could make up a million endings right now. Like okay, it's a trans ballerina and like their experience is valid. Or like this person broke their leg and had to get a transplant and now they have a bionic leg and they're differently abled and they can do it too. Or maybe it's a 49-year-old like housewife who never had the chance to go and study ballet and finally she's taking a second lease on life. Like like I I could just sit here all day yeah. and just spit those ideas out at you. And like the ending of the film would change so much based off of what you discover through the process of empowering their story. Mm. I like that you look at documentary as an empowering of the subject story and I think that's probably an important thing to highlight as far as you know what I mean like it's not about like I want to tell a story about ice cream because I like ice cream so you all are going to see how much I like ice cream like ice cream's high in sugar and sugar's really bad for you and that's just a scientific fact I can't like slant the world to fit my documentary and call it a true documentary so I like that you I like that you, you know, focus. I think that's really important. Well, I think where that comes from, just to flesh that out for Mm. just a moment for me is, um, I've seen a lot of stuff. (laughs) Um, I have believed a lot of, yeah, well, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is I've believed a lot of different things. I've been through a lot of things in my life where I've, I've had one experience, um, I'll be very specific. I used to be very Republican. I was raised in the gunsmith house. Like my like family used to work for Reagan, like ultra conservative. Um, and it's not even like I moved away from that because that those are all bad things. It's just like through exposure to different voices, different experiences, different languages, different countries, um, different stories, I've learned that nothing really matters. <laughs> And I call this positive nihilism. Not like, <laughs> like, n- like if I just maxed out all my credit cards on my next documentary and like rolled over in a ditch and died, like you, Cora, might be upset, or like my family be might be upset. My my <laughs> husband would be upset, but my absence would have no great impact on the universe. And this is an important mental exercise, I think, to go through because once you realize that like inherently like nothing matters it's very okay very wait a minute hold up i'm sorry no, no. i just wait, wait hang on i just i have to throw this out there because i it's an if then it's an <laughs> if then it's contingent on the then you gotta get to the then i gotta get to the then okay i'll let you say the then i'm just like i'm like i was about to say have I'm you, you finish but <laughs> i'm gonna let you finish but have you seen um Oh my gosh, why I'm this is embarrassing. I'm forgetting the name of the movie. The dude with the angel, it's in black and white, and it stars Jimmy Stewart, and he dies. And it's he, a wonderful it's life. A, yeah. Have you seen It's a Wonderful Life? Like yes. don't ever I just have to say, just because like this is something that I feel very passionately about, and because I just feel like it's so important for people to know that you have no idea how much the universe changes by your presence and mm. you have no idea what you've done for people whose what decisions mm. someone else has made and what has happened because of that person. I mean, 
and it's a wonderful life his he was nothing and his little brother went off to war but he saved his little brother's life and when his little brother died his brother wasn't there to save the entire legion that got killed in a battle because his brother had yeah. saved them when his, when he saved his brother so butterflies wings man right, um, right. you I are mean, a butterfly ansley don't let anyone oh, tell you less i'm sorry go yeah. on i'm so sorry for shooting that down but i feel so no, strongly I, about the importance well, of individuals well i don't feel that you shot it down okay, because i good. think that, that was an important thing to say so yes Okay, I'm Absolutely. so sorry. I love and you so much. I don't want to talk over you, but I talked over you. You don't need to done. be sorry because I don't think that they're mutually... I think that they speak to two different points. Okay. Um, and, and everything that you just said, and in another way... Um, and, and of course, I'm oversimplifying. I hope you know that. Like, <laughs> like, like I, I don't think that I'm worthless, and that's not the point that I'm trying to make. What okay. I'm trying to say is nobody is more special than anybody else. Like, we're all... Agreed. Really, really special. And so when I go out for street photography purposes and I'm looking for a subject, I'm looking for people who look interested, not beautiful, interested in what they're doing. Sometimes that's working. And, and, and I'm looking for diversity. And, and I'm not, a lot of the time I'm going for people who in any other circumstance could be described as like ugly or stressed or like the worst day of their life. And that extends to my documentary process. And the reason why I'm taking their photo is not because I'm trying to poverty porn them and like that's like it's just a, a sexy photo or it's it's not because I'm just looking for diversity in my in my headline and I just need to check off a bunch of boxes. It's because legitimately I truly feel <laughs> like every human story has value. Mm. And if you can't find the interesting nugget of wisdom in their experience no matter who they are, then you haven't done your job well enough. And so to go back to the positive nihilism point, what I was trying to say is, yeah, like, it's a little bit like memento mori. It's like, I am going to leave this world. You are going to leave this world. The people around us are going to leave this world, whether we like it or not. And we're all, none of us asked to be here. <laughs> we're all just doing the best we can. I didn't ask to be here and you didn't ask to be here. But now that we're here, we can recognize that we, we all have something valuable to contribute and we all have a, a really interesting story to tell. And so what I'm saying is before I die, which is inevitable, I might as well give my life's work to empowering every other person's right to tell their equally fascinating story. And sometimes it just takes a couple of extra hours or days or weeks to peel back the layers to get them feeling comfortable so that they can tell it the way that they know how. I love you. <laughs> um, no, that's wonderful. And I'm, I, I, <laughs> um, I truly am like, I am sorry for cutting you off. And I'm not saying that as like, Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, not sorry. Um, can you give me that one minute rundown? Yeah. Okay. So go yeah, for sure. One beginning, middle end. beginning. Find your subject. Don't let yourself get scared by all the obstacles that start popping up. Just make a list of those obstacles and turn them into questions so that they then become opportunities for you to get even closer to your subject. Do, do um, service to your subject is, is your punchline for number one. Um, number two, this would, I guess, be production. This would be actually filming it. Work long hours. Sometimes put your camera down, be very, very aware of what you fulfilled and what you still need, and don't be afraid of people saying no to you, and don't be afraid to say no to other people. People are going to be very hungry 
for your time saying you need to film this you need to film that um really very clearly identify the mission for your film which is what are you trying to accomplish i mean this sounds like abcs but it's crucial so figure out the mission of your film what is your film trying to change like what space does it exist in that didn't exist before um what's the message of your film which must change over time and at the end of every day say has it changed today based off of what i've learned and then also um be rigorous in your data management because um losing footage is the worst thing in the world okay. and nobody is going to prioritize the quality or consistency of your footage unless you do so i think that's one of the most deadly important parts of the production process is making sure you take care of the footage um and then in post production for number 3 and moving into distribution what i'd say is you at this point you should have your story um you should be figuring out how it changed and how that impacts um not just the message of your story but also the audience and start sharing content and engaging directly with that audience for the ballet dancer example it would be inhabitants of new york anybody interested in art or people interested in whatever identity politic or you know other angle that you've undertaken um and for distribution there are a billion options out there don't get intimidated don't get scared of the fact that um you have so many options but also don't get distracted and try to do all of the options because then you're going to get spread too thin and you're going to genericize the mission of the film um which is a bad look in the industry i i'd say and it it just shows a lack of direction and that you're just really there for for um gratification So allow the overarching point that I said at the very beginning do service to your story to be the motor that pushes your entire production along. Um don't get scared when your passion starts to succumb to uh, all of other people's frenzy. It's okay not to love your project every single day because you're gonna it is going to be a roller coaster ride. You are going to go up and down, but you are not allowed to just shelve that project and put it away. You have to finish it. and be proud of it. Um if you're not proud of it, start over. Go back. Get more source material. Interview new people. Um if you lose your passion, ask yourself where did the story go? And find it. Thank you so much. You are amazing. I'm endlessly inspired by you and I'm so thankful that you took the time to share Aww. um your experience with us. Um do you have any like one two punch like if you could say one thing to somebody wanting to start a documentary, what would it be? Just go out and make something. Just do it because you have this idea now and you're going to have it in 6 months and the difference between now and 6 months is that you could have done something about it and just because you didn't do something about it like don't stay up late feeling bad about that just go out tomorrow give yourself an hour and go and give yourself a bite-sized assignment and do it and get some momentum and if you aren't feeling creative it's probably because you haven't done art in a while you're amazing <laughs> <laughs> just go out and do art yes. that's what it is that's what we're doing that's essentially our business Yes. And everything else is talk. And talking about film is interesting, but it's, you know, you, we're we're there to go out and make stuff. So just go out and make stuff. Yes. Um so thank you again to Erica for asking your question. I hope we've answered it. Um I hope this has been useful information. Share this podcast with your friends if you think it may be helpful for them and let us know what your questions are. What topics should we cover next? And uh yeah, we've got a couple of awesome episodes lined up for you and we're excited to keep sharing what we know. And that's it. Thanks for listening. Bye.
You've been listening to Filmmaking Actually with Coralinda, Space Dream Productions podcast. Subscribe to us on any or all the podcast platforms, but we especially recommend our sponsor, Anchor. If you like what you hear, leave us five-star ratings and positive reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. It helps more listeners like you discover the show. But the best thing you can do if you really like the show is tell a friend. Want to leave a comment or ask a question? Email at filmmakingactually at gmail.com. This is Spacey speaking. You are hearing me talk. And we'll see you next time.